back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest helped Steve Spurrier, still his good friend, to the 1996 National Championship of College Football. They were with the Florida Gators together. Bob Stoops then took the job at Oklahoma. And quickly, in 2000, the Oklahoma Sooners were the national champions. He is not retired yet. Look for him next year as the general manager and head coach of the Dallas Renegades of the XFL. And the breaking news in air quotes surrounding Coach Stoops is that he has a new memoir out, wrote it with ESPN's Gene Wojciechowski, really shared a whole lot of things, not just the good, but some of the tricky stuff as well. Look for it. It's called No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. Bob Stoops, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm great, David. Great to be with you today. Thank you, sir. I would, If I were in your shoes, I would love to write a book or memoir about the, like, there's 50 good things that I could think of in your world that I would squeeze into that book. I'm not sure I would, like, want to bear my soul about being, like, a feisty problem child as a youngster or the, the sad early death of your father or some of the other ups and downs of your professional and personal life. What motivated you to kind of share all of it instead of just the good stuff? Well, it took me a long time. That's why I, I've been asked for a long time to do something and just never wanted to, didn't think I would. And then after being out a couple of years, I thought, you know, um, I get asked a lot about how did I become a head coach? How did, how did I, you know, get to Florida? How, how was my journey? By a lot of coaches from different levels of football. And, and then also asked a lot about how, how we turn the program around and so fast, you know, from squandering so many years and then in the second year win a national championship and how we maintained it so consistently. And I thought, well, why not just sort of divulge everything that's happened the way it happened? And, you know, because when I get asked that by coaches at a coach's clinic or something, you can't give it all in 10 minutes. Right. No way to say what your journey was like and how you did it, you know? So anyway, uh, I just figured, hey, why not put it all out there? This was my time. And, uh, you know, Gene Wojciechowski's been a longtime friend. He's a great professional and was easy to work with. And uh, so I, I knew he would be the guy that would be good to work with with it. It's funny. A lot of folks here in our statewide audience in North Carolina, they know Lincoln Riley well. There's a lot of Lincoln in your book. Uh, they know Steve Spurrier well from his time at Duke. There's a lot of Coach Spurrier in your book. We've gotten to know Mike Leach as a guest on our show. Uh, now at Washington State, of course, uh, you called him the best decision you made as the new head coach at Oklahoma. Let me steer you a little bit elsewhere. I think it was another of your mentors, Hayden Fry at Iowa, who along with Coach Spurrier, you now credit for helping you get eventually to a healthy work-life balance, and you say they also taught you about taking chances in life. What can you share about that? That sounds like a heavy topic. Well, yeah, uh, Coach Fry was, uh, you know, as much as anything, his swagger, his attitude, it just was infectious. And and, uh, and then he surrounded himself, you know, all those assistant coaches that has been well talked about are all such accomplished head coaches as well. You know, he had surrounded himself with great people, and, and I did as well. And then, you know, Coach Spurrier was the icing on the cake for me, uh, being, uh, you know, his talk about swagger and just making everybody, you know, feel it. Uh, he just had a special way about him, and, and I, I learned a ton from him. In fact, about everything – we do did at Oklahoma and probably still do. We kind of emulated what we were doing at Florida, you know, when I was with Coach Spurrier. So uh, 
So anyway, I, I learned learned a great deal from all of those guys, and Coach Snyder as well there at Kansas State. We sometimes hear coaches who work their assistants in the ground, and I occasionally hear coaches who have told their assistants, if you guys don't go home by this time or if you miss uh, Johnny's baseball game, I'm going to fire you. you know, how, how do you, while trying to win games, ultimately land on a healthy work-life balance the way those coaches tried to teach you? Yeah, definitely I got the biggest balance from Coach Spurrier. You know, my whole time for 18 years, because Coach Spurrier did this when I was with him in Florida, he took his he took his youngest child, Scott, to school every day. And I took my kids until they could drive to huh. school every single morning. Cool. So I just believed in helping them get their day started. That lets them know how important they are, drop them off at school, and I would start our meetings then. But at the end of the day, especially in college, you get you get an hour meeting with your players and then you're on the practice field. So if it took you all night till two in the morning to figure something out, how's that 19-year-old going to get in an hour meeting? Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, there's a certain point that I believe that uh, I'd rather a coach fresh and, and, and ready to go for practice and spread that energy than tired and, and worn down. And it just uh, – so anyhow, I, I think I, I, you got to get your work done, but once it's done, get out of there. Coach, we're at a weird time in our country right now, including on racial issues. And I know you included in your book how even as a football coach four years ago, uh, you were, of course, a public figure asked to comment about racist videos that had become public from an Oklahoma University or University of Oklahoma, rather, fraternity. What was your message then or what is your message today as a guy who coached in a sport, you know, with a lot of African-American young men? Uh, and there it was on a college campus. This is not in a dark corner somewhere. This is a college campus where blatantly racist behavior is taking place. Just, just appalled that 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 could still be taught, or that a song of that nature could still be learned and would be expressed. It just just broke my heart. It broke everybody's heart. And uh, you know, we I work with kids of all races and religions, and you know, when there's so many, you got a team of 115 guys. Yeah. You have everybody, and we're all, you know, and that's the ultimate thing about being on a team and a football team is is we're all the same, you know, and, and, and you live that way with, with all these young men and, and treat them that way. I mean, and uh, then for that to come out, it just kill, it's just crushing. I could see my how, how bad it hurt my players. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you how it hit me so hard. I was speaking about it almost six months later to a president's leadership class. Yeah. I, I almost broke down crying, even bringing it back up. Mm. You know, just speak, and I don't do that. I'm not a guy that does that in public. I caught myself, yeah, barely. Huh. But I was like, I because I couldn't even, you know, still go back and go back to that point and how damaging it was to to all of our, you know, just our hearts. Like this, this can't be. I get it. I get it, man. That's 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 quite the topic. I'm glad you addressed all these things in your book. Find the memoir, folks. It's called No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. Our guest, Bob Stoops, along with Woj, gets into all the good stuff, all the bad stuff on the field, off the field. It, It is really sharing a huge chunk of what coach is all about. Uh, Mac Brown, of course, is here in our backyard again. 
your famous football program took on his famous Texas program many times in the old Red River shootout. I know you take some walks down memory lane in your book. What can you share about a memory that is Mac Brown related when you guys were on opposite sidelines in one of the most famous rivalries in all of college football? Uh, I would just say a, a ton of respect, I think, both ways. Uh, Mac always did a fabulous job. And if you weren't at the top of your game, you were going to get beat. So at the end of the day, he, he always did a great job. and Love it that he's 2-0 and right now and doing so well. Um, so I, I think as much as anything, there was just a lot of mutual respect and, you know, for each other's teams and each other. In our backyard as well, for a while at least, was Lincoln Riley. And, I mean, as you needed an offensive coordinator, he was your guy. And when you decided to step away at Oklahoma, you recommended him as your successor. Uh, what did you see in him when he was here at ECU? And then what did you get to know even more about him when he was working on your staff? Well, just an incredibly efficient offensive coordinator when I was watching him at East Carolina. To, you know, just highly successful over and over and over. Excellent quarterback play and, and offensive play. Uh, great play caller. Could tell, uh, you know, never flustered. And then watching him here, of course, uh, you know, it's the same thing. Incredibly bright. Um, you know, always poised, but always competitive and tough. And then he relates so well to the players. And, and to be honest with you, as I started having the feeling Part of the reasons I think it started to come to me that the feeling that I could step away is because I knew uh, that, that I had the right guy there that could take it over and continue to, to help us have that same kind of success and more. Deep down inside, you had to know that if you stayed, that Baker Mayfield guy might have been just as exceptional because Lincoln still would have been by your side. How, how tricky was that moment of truth for you? Well, it's it's well. That was the other reason I felt it was the right time for me to step away. Is I had a strong, uh, uh, mature team, yeah. a, a team with good leaders like Baker, not only him, a few other guys that were experienced and good leaders. And in fact, when I when I addressed the team that I was stepping out, you know, it's all quiet and everyone's thinking something's wrong. And I smiled and I said, "Guys, this is all good." I said, "Next year you're going to play." Pointed to Baker and all these guys. You guys are going to play. And I said, all your coaches are still going to coach. I said, <laughs> I said, it's okay. And then they all realized, they looked around like, yeah, it's okay. And they, they all kind of gave me a standing ovation and came over and started giving me hugs because, you know, they were thinking something was wrong. I said, this, I know it's strange, but nothing's wrong here. This is just right for me. And I know Lincoln's going to, you know, going to be your head coach and it's going to be great. And they, then they all figured it out. Like, okay, we're good. You know? As we let you go, and thank you for your time, uh, tell me about the title of the book, No Excuses, uh, because I, for those who haven't seen it yet, Coach gets into a defensive football in there. He gets into, of all things, a childhood friendship with a boxing legend, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, that I remember from my childhood. He even gets into how the heck do you end up an Oklahoma fan if you grow up in the state of Ohio, where everything is all Buckeyes all the time. Like, there's nuggets all over this memoir. But I, I, I imagine No Excuses is something you've taught your own family members love ones and players of course yeah you know it's something i said in my initial when i was introduced on the steps at evans hall right there when I, the day i was introduced at oklahoma part of what i said is you know that we we are to win championships here this is what we have done here for decades and that's been our history 
and that's what we need to do. And I said, no, no matter, then there'll be no excuses, you know, if we don't. In other words, that that is what our expectation is here. And and you know, and I say it a lot in speeches, but all an excuse is is you're trying to justify failure. And 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 my point is, we're going to win championships and compete for championships, and and uh, that's what we do. And if we don't, there's no excuses for it. So that's where that comes from. His name is Bob Stoops. And, and, it, and yeah. it was also along our – it was always in our weight room across big, bold letters across our uh, weight room. I could talk to you forever, Coach, but I know you're kind of in the car wash waiting for your next interview. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Bob Stoops. It is called No Excuses, the Making of a Head Coach with his good friend Gene Wojciechowski of ESPN. Thank you very much for the time on the David Glenn Show. Uh, we appreciate the visit, and we wish you well with the book. All right, David, thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You got it. Bob Stoops, legendary coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, national title with Spurrier with the Gators, 96, national title as a head coach with the Sooners in 2000. A lot of other great accomplishments. Only coach in the BCS era, Bob Stoops was or is, to win the Rose Bowl, an Orange Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, and a Sugar Bowl. Not done yet. Going to be the GM and head coach of the Dallas Renegades of the XFL, which launches next calendar year certainly one of the more successful head coaches of the last quarter century of college football history appreciate bob stoops squeezing us in today here on the david glenn show david newton drops by in 45 minutes we'll get back to some nfl talk you can chime in on the panthers or the nfl tomorrow night as the panthers host the buccaneers to get week two started of nfl regular season action besides a victory what do you need to see from your Panthers to believe they are a playoff team? They're 0-1 after losing at home to the Rams by a field goal. They're favored over visiting Tampa and should be. Besides a win, what do you need to see from the Panthers to believe they're a playoff team this year? The college football question relates to a scheduling anomaly of sorts. UNC and Wake Forest are playing each other this Friday night in Winston-Salem. They are both 2-0. Jamie Newman and Sam Howell are really interesting and productive quarterbacks, so it's worth watching regardless. But it happens to be a non-conference game. That's weird. They've been in the same league for 60-plus years, even more than that in different contexts. But as ACC members, they've been together for almost seven decades. And yet it's a non-conference game. Why? Well, rivalries were disrupted. You don't play all of your closest rivals twice a year, every year in basketball anymore or every year in football anymore. Expansion and realignment changed that. When you ask most of the commissioners and presidents and athletic directors about conference expansion and realignment, they'll say, well, we know there was a downside, but we made an awful lot more money, TV and otherwise, and the upside was bigger than the downside as a result. Well, that doesn't mean it's that way for you. So my question of the day for you as a fan, has conference realignment or expansion, have they made you enjoy college sports more or less? Does it bother you that State and Duke, what are they, 30 minutes apart by car? State and Duke don't play each other in football every year. I mean, they eventually come back around on the conference schedule as members of opposite divisions in the ACC, Atlantic, and Coastal. Eventually, but they played each other every year for decades, just like Wake and Carolina played each other every year in football for decades and decades and decades. Now it's only occasionally, 
And that's why you occasionally schedule a non-conference game to at least see each other a little bit more often. The game will not count in the official ACC standings. It does count win or loss toward your overall record, of course. But it does not get you closer to, say, a trip to the ACC title game in Charlotte. That is based on your eight-game conference slate. As those two go head-to-head Friday night, we'll talk about the matchup. Has conference alignment and expansion, have they made you enjoy college sports more or less? We'll come to your calls. Some of you who heard my 9-11 retrospective have some sports-related comments or questions of your own from 18 years ago today, an infamous day in modern American history, a tragedy for sure, and my saddest day in sports radio, just as, as it was an even sadder day for those who lost loved ones in the Twin Towers and otherwise. That's 18 years ago today, September 11th, 2001. Oddly enough, September 11th used to be a famous day for a different reason. Obviously, you don't have to say anything else. Say September 11th and everybody knows what you're talking about. Prior to 2001, September 11th actually reflected a very big sports milestone no longer remembered by most probably, but I lived through it. I'll share you that trivial reminder as we reflect on a much more important day in American history. 1-800-849-2761. More NFL, more college basketball. The Team USA World Cup basketball debacle in China. You have questions. Mack in High Point has asked, shouldn't that loss by the Americans today, DG, make people appreciate even more Mike Krzyzewski's time as the head coach with USA Basketball, where he just kept cranking out gold medal after gold medal. Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs is kind of the NBA equivalent of Coach K. K's regarded as the best in college hoops. Pop has generally been regarded for quite a while as the best in the NBA. Greg Popovich was the head coach of, I describe it as like our C team, It was not the best we have to offer in China, and I think that certainly should be considered as we're handing out credit or blame. What did anybody's team roster look like when they were the head coach of Team USA? Nothing happens in a vacuum. Coach K deserves a lot of credit, but what did he have talent-wise compared to what Greg Popovich was just asked to win with at the World Cup in China? More college football, more NFL. Dennis Rodman, Bobby Bowden, Antonio Brown are all in the news. Chuck Amato is going to join us live in more than 60 minutes. The longtime right-hand man of Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Of course, a celebrated NC State guy as well, former player and head coach of the Wolfpack. Chuck Amato live in our third hour. David Newton live in our third hour on other NFL matters. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn Dukies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. That is one reason I, I stayed in coaching so long. Uh, probably past my time, but I, I, I really hate to get out there because I've always felt like I had a chance to help young people. You know, it, when you coach them, uh, there's some things you can tell them that you, through experience, that will help them. And I always felt like, well, if I ever get out of coaching, they won't hear, they won't want to hear me anymore. You know. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That's one of the greatest coaches of all time. How about that? We're giving you Bobby Bowden snippets from his dozens of visits here on air, our airwaves over a couple of decades. Bob Stoops, new book out. Fun recollections with his visit earlier this hour. Chuck Amato, right-hand man to Bobby Bowden at Florida State, is with us in about 60 minutes. The former Wolfpack player and head coach helped build that Bowden dynasty. That is the name of the documentary that debuts tonight at 8 on the ACC Network. Coach Amato is among the interviewees in that documentary. He joins us live in a little bit more than 60 minutes. David Newton on the NFL, including the Panthers. He covers that team intensely for ESPN's NFL Nation. You can jump in now. I gave you my sports related 9-11 Boston College athlete Wells Crowther as one of the heroes but in death 18 years ago today as the towers came down 1-800-849-2761 9-11 questions comments and recollections NFL question of the day besides a victory what do you need to see from your Carolina Panthers tomorrow night against the Buccaneers to believe they're a playoff team they're 0-1 they're supposed to beat Tampa tomorrow night They're supposed to sweep the Buccaneers, really, with Bruce Arians in rebuilding mode and Jameis Winston, fellow quarterback and high first-round pick, as is the case with your Cam Newton with Carolina. Cam Newton's tenure over now nine seasons has had peaks and valleys, but the highest peaks have been truly amazing peaks. Trip to the Super Bowl, MVP for Cam four years ago, and other significant success. Jameis Winston is the Buccaneers' equivalent of that. He has been nothing close to the legacy Cam Newton has built so far here with the Carolina Panthers. One of the reasons, not the only one, but one of the bigger reasons that the Panthers have been more good than bad in these nine years with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton together. One of the reasons that the Buccaneers have churned through head coaches and have turned to Bruce Arians now, Jameis Winston has not panned out as the same kind of success story out of Florida State as a high first-rounder. 1-800-849-2761. Let me go to Jim in Wilmington on 9-11. Ryan wants to answer the Panthers' question of the day, and others want in on the college football question. Since Wake and Carolina are playing a non-conference football game, it's not a part of the regular schedule they just agreed to meet each other in non-conference play you have four of those games to toss around each year if you're an ACC football team and they decided to play each other to make sure a rivalry was resumed more often since it was played annually for decades but no longer annually with the breakdown of the divisions in the ACC after realignment and expansion we're asking you as fans have conference realignment and expansion expansion made you enjoy college sports more or less all the administrators say it's been a good thing overall because of the money most of it tv money but that they recognize the downside watering down rivalries do you care nearly as much when your favorite team plays boston college as you once cared when state and duke played football against each other every year or wake and carolina played football against each other every year some rivalries were protected Duke and Carolina still play each other twice in men's basketball every year, once in football every year. But if you're in opposite divisions in football, you don't see each other very often at all. 1-800-849-2761. Wake and Carolina going the non-conference route inspired that question of the day. Jim in Wilmington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG, how are you? It's a beautiful I'm day down here doing, in Rice Beach. Good to hear, man. Welcome to the show. Uh, I was just going to say my biggest memory was, I can't remember how far, 
after September 11th it was, but it was the World Series. I think it was game three, maybe. But um, George W. Bush threw out the first pitch, and it was like, uh, it was so uh, symbolic. It's like there were so many security problems, you know, questions. Should he be doing this? And uh, he went out there, and I swear, he you, you can YouTube it. He, he throws this thing right down the middle. And with all this confidence, it was just a really cool moment, I thought. And if I remember correctly, and I'm glad, I mean, we're talking 9-11. It's important to keep the sports part of it in play, and you certainly did there because we can go in a thousand different directions on this horrible anniversary. If I remember correctly, George Bush was quoted as saying that the most nervous moment of his presidency was throwing that first pitch. Can you imagine? You're dealing with war and, I mean, hostages and peace talks and Afghanistan and civil strife, and you are arguably the most important person in the world with powers and stresses left and right and new decisions that you have to make every day. And the most nervous you were was throwing out that first pitch given the tragedy of 9-11. Uh, it was an amazing story. I believe they've turned that into a documentary as well. Here we are talking about there's a Dennis Rodman documentary debuting today, a Bobby Bowden documentary debuting today. I think they have memorialized that George Bush first pitch. It was extremely well done. Like he, I think he had to throw it with so much security stuff under his I guess jersey or what was he wearing? I can't. Well, he remember. wore a jacket, like jacket, a pitcher's right. jacket. You would see them wear in the bullpen too. I think that was partially to conceal the protective gear. Correct. I mean, I was a little nervous throwing out a playoff pitch for the Burlington Royals minor league baseball team about a week ago. <laughs> you know, he's just dealing with the aftermath of 9-11. He said he spent a lot of time warning, warming up in the tunnel underneath. Normally, a first pitch is just a first pitch. I mean. If you're athletic at all, I mean, you might you might not throw a strike, but this is a little different symbolically than the typical first pitch. You're the public figure in the United States of America, and we love our baseball, and that was the backdrop. And for him to throw that strike while wearing that gear in that moment, man, a little trickier than mine at the Burlington Royals game the other day. Appreciate you your stroll down Amnesia Lane there, 1-800-849-2761. Let me try Ryan in Wilmington, who wants to jump in on the NFL question of the day. Besides a victory over the Buccaneers tomorrow night, what do you need to see from the Panthers to believe they're a playoff team? What's going on, Ryan? David, two quick things, buddy. If you make it to Wilmington, come see my family's restaurant, Parentelli's. You'll love it. Awesome Italian food. I'm writing so, that. Say, say that again just to get you a plug. I'm, I'm pulling out my smartphone, and I am making sure I spell this correctly because we love Wilmington. There's a chance our daughter ends up going to UNCW. Just a chance. I don't want to scare any of the other competing universities out there, especially if you have financial aid to offer. Um, so just go ahead and tell us that. Right? Financial aid. David, it's uh, Tarantelli's, T-A-R-A-N-T-E-L-L-I-S. Excellent. Oh, we're interested. We're interested. What else do you have going on, Ryan? Two quick things, buddy. Side note to that awesome story uh, that Jim just left. When he was warming up George W. in the cage below the stadium, Derek Jeter walked by and said, don't bounce it because right. I promise they'll boo you. Right. And uh, so you talk about pressure and going out. Unbelievable moment and never forget. Appreciate your sincerity. David, looking forward to tomorrow night's football. 
Cam Newton. Could we agree he's the most polarizing quarterback in college football and uh, in the Latin um, professional football? The last few days, the amount of Cam haters that are out there, it's absolutely unbelievable. And the question that I asked them, David, is what's behind door number two? I don't know if Will Greer, the quarterback from West Virginia, but you mentioned his accolades, former MVP, uh, just beyond talented. But for some reason, these hometown Panthers fans show very little love and appreciation for Cam. Yeah, I've always been one of those follow-the-evidence guys. Like when Cam has a bad game, and I think he did against the Rams, it's okay to criticize what he did specifically. The folks who just hate more generally lost me a long time ago. And I think for some of them, they have a double standard for reasons not worth getting into today. It is an interesting description that you just gave, the most polarizing quarterback in pro football. And you were right. He actually also was that during his one season with the Auburn Tigers as they won the national title. He was polarizing because some people thought he shouldn't be eligible because his dad was shopping him around to the highest bidder on the recruiting trail, and they weren't sure he was going to be eligible to play for the uh, the Auburn Tigers at the end of that national championship season could anybody be more polarizing than cam newton i mean there's a whole bunch of them who are polarizing to one degree or another but for most it's like you're polarizing because people are tired of tom brady winning all the time and the patriots love him more than anybody can imagine and some haters are just going to hate because he's the most successful and he has a supermodel wife and he's rich and he tried to trademark tom terrific when that's uh tom Seaver's domain etc um, there are others who are polarizing because of on and off the field stuff. Cam's just polarizing, period. Like, Jameis Winston is polarizing. Like most Buccaneers fans, I have a lot of relatives down there. They're tired of Jameis Winston. And they have less to celebrate by a lot for what he's done for them since leaving Florida State compared to what Cam has done for the Panthers since leaving Auburn polarizing I think you're right he might be number one who's a more polarizing quarterback in the NFL than I guess Tim Tebow was polarizing for a while sure for another very complicated and weird set of reasons maybe Big Ben Eli Manning is polarizing in his own fan base right now anyone taken aback by the cam hate and some of the cam deniers at the other end Man, there's a version of that going on around Eli Manning as a lot of Giants fans are just ready to turn the page. Eli is old and can't move and doesn't have it anymore and has been given enough time. So goes the argument. And Daniel Jones is not only a high first-round pick out of Duke, also, of course, well-coached by David Cutcliffe, mentor to both of those guys, but he had insane numbers in the preseason. And I'm skeptical, like everybody else, about how much weight to put on preseason football numbers, quarterback or otherwise. But Daniel Jones did not look awkward or uh, complicated with the transition in any way. That is a that is a polarizing quarterback conversation, I will say. But you're right, man. In year nine, can't, whenever we're done talking about Cam Newton, however many years down the road that is, we're going to be able to say he was polarizing for the entirety of his Auburn career, and I believe we'll be be able to say in the end he's been polarizing for the entirety of his NFL career. I, I mean, what what would what would end the polarization? Would a Super Bowl victory end it for the haters? Would I, I don't know? I mean, I think only the end of his career ends the polarizing debate, right? And that's unless something weird happens, that's not going to happen anytime soon. He's only in his early thirties. Tom Brady's still playing at 42. I don't think Cam will do that. 
but it's not like he's going to retire anytime soon. He has enough money to if he wants to, I would imagine, if he's managed it well. But, no, it's it's just Cam polarizing Newton. That's just the way it's going to be. Appreciate the call, Ryan, and the restaurant recommendation. It is now in my smartphone for future reference. Aaron is in Chapel Hill and next on the David Glenn Show. How you doing, GG? Good to talk to you again, sir. I'm doing great, Aaron. What's on your mind? By the way, Darren, do you think do you think restaurants give scholarships, or is that uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that way? If only. <laughs> Financial need is a really big thing with college applications. I don't think the Glens are getting any of the the need based aid. I I, <laughs> I just filled out those reports, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not getting a nickel. So the pressure's on Avery now. You got to get all the merit-based scholarships you can. It's it's a funny, weird time. Have you ever had to fill out one of those forms? Did you do that, Darren? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's twice over with grad school included. So. Oh man, brutal. I'm sorry, Aaron, for the digression. I just have dollar signs rolling up in the back of my head, uh, putting two children through college uh, roughly at the same time or overlapping. It's it's a little intimidating. Go ahead. No worries, sir. Um, yeah, you know, so before I moved down to Chapel Hill, I uh, grew up in New Jersey. So um, so for me, college basketball was always Big East basketball. Yeah. And for me, it was never the same after Syracuse left um, for the ACC. Syracuse-UConn was such a huge mm. rivalry up there. And then um, actually, funny thing is, uh, my junior year of college, I was um, I was actually interning with the sports information department at Seton Hall when uh, when the when the, um, the when the Big East split and in the back of my mind I was like uh, this is it for you know for for Northeast for Northeast basketball and I really don't think it's been the same ever since. Yeah, when we talk winners and losers in realignment and expansion traditionalist fans are losers right you just you either get a watered down version of most of your famous favorite rivalries or they're gone altogether some were protected again but traditionalist fans were losers i would say the big east is a loser right it's it's a basketball league now it was at least a great an elite basketball league up there right next to the acc for a long time in my childhood in the 80s, it was the Big East and the ACC, baby, and then it dropped to everybody else. And the Big East, for a while, remember, had Virginia Tech football and Miami football and Boston College football, and it was a pretty decent football league. So they had what they wanted for a while, and then realignment happened, and, you know, John Swafford turns into the ultimate poacher as ACC commissioner. And the Big East is left in shambles for the most part. So I'd say the Big East as a brand lost big time. Uh, UConn individually lost big time. Is there a university that lost more than UConn? You go from mega prominence in basketball, at least you were in a power league in football, to irrelevant in football entirely, and a shadow of yourself in basketball and now leaving the American Athletic Conference because you don't think that's the right fit for you. That, Wow, there's a long list of realignment losers, and I think we just listed three of the biggest there. Appreciate you listening, Aaron. 1-800-849-2761. No merit-based scholarships at restaurants? I don't think so, unless no. it's changed drastically. Every, every once in a while, those who are loyal listeners will give us a comped meal. 
That's their thank. That's their thank <laughs> that's you. That's an indirect is, scholarship. Is, is that a merit-based scholarship? <laughs> Maybe. If they didn't like the show, I don't think they would cop the meal, right? That's a mer- it's a merit-based scholarship <laughs> coming at us $100 at a time. 1-800-849-2761. I need more of those for my college-bound daughter. Uh, David Newton joins us live in 20 minutes on the NFL and the Panthers. Chuck Amato, longtime right-hand man to that Bobby Bowden guy, was interviewed for the new Bowden Dynasty documentary, and he will join us live, the former Wolfpack star player and head coach. Chuck Amato live in about 45 minutes or so. Your phone calls in between at 1-800-849-2761. Should Team USA's loss in China today at the World Cup make people appreciate Coach K's job with USA basketball even more? I think the fair answer to that question requires a reminder of what roster Greg Popovich had to work with in China compared to the rosters Mike Krzyzewski had to work with in the Olympics and the World Cups of yesteryear. More on that story with more of your football calls next on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. The legendary coach Bob Stoops is in the books. Chuck Amato is on the way. David Newton on the NFL and the Panthers. Your chance to chime in. 9-11 sports-related reflections. Bobby Bowden, Dennis Rodman documentaries on the way. Antonio Brown is in the wrong sorts of headlines again. Team USA has been eliminated at the Basketball World Cup. It is the second most important international competition. It is only every four years, like the higher-profile Summer Olympics, but Team USA is out under the head coach, Greg Popovich. I got the question a little bit earlier as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Mac, living in High Point, North Carolina, he used to listen from Detroit, Darren. That's loyalty. With Team USA's loss and failure to medal at the FIBA World Championship, Mac writes, will Coach K be given more credit and appreciation for the work he did for USA basketball? It seems like many sports talk pundits pundits gave more credit to the players and less to Coach K by saying anyone could coach Team USA to gold. I think there was a little bit of that. I don't think, I'll, I'll put it this way, on my show, I can't speak for others in our industry. I don't know who said what or didn't. But on our show, just to be candid about it, If anybody doesn't think that everything involved in this equation is players first, you have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you are so clueless that we can't have a conversation about it. Of course, coaches matter. And on this show, Coach K got an A-plus for those gold medals, both at the Summer Olympics and at the World Cup, each of those, again, being every four years. Remember, it was 13 years ago that a Larry Brown-led team lost at the Olympics. They did end up getting bronze that year, which was a debacle because they had always won gold, at least since using pros. 30 years, roughly, now, we've been sending our NBA guys to the Olympics and these other international competitions. Before that, it was the college guys. So it was a totally different equation. In these last three decades, when we've sent the pros, we typically win the gold medal. And that's why today's loss was actually the first in either the World Cup or the 
Olympics in 48 after 48 straight wins. It was the first USA loss in this high-level competition since 2006, so that's 13 years ago. I've often said in ACC context, what is the what explains the best team in the ACC versus the worst team in the ACC? 15 teams in basketball. Anybody who thinks that it's Mike Shashevsky is that much better than the 15th coach, rather than starting with, oh, you know, Zion Williamson matters a little bit. Well, of course, the roster is the starting point. Now, these guys are amazing coaches, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, et cetera, but Greg Popovich is a mega-time NBA champion as well. The guy didn't lose because he's a bad coach. So I think you can still give Mike Krzyzewski the A-plus for turning USA basketball back in the right direction without implying that somehow, some way, the starting point for Kay's success was not the players, and the starting point for Popovich's failure in China today is not the players. It would just be it would be unfair to the point of outrageous. Do you need a quick reminder as to who Mike Shashevsky had on Team USA? Let's just pick out winning the gold medal at the Olympics in 2012. You ready? Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony came off the bench. <laughs> so did Russell Westbrook. So did James Harden and Kevin Love. <laughs> That's 2012. Do you, do you want to know who was on the court at the end of today's loss to France? Now, I'm not saying the Americans couldn't have won. I am saying that I gave Coach K an A-plus because he deserved it, and he deserved it even more for changing a culture than for winning with an underhand or undermanned roster. There was no undermanned roster. He had the greatest <laughs> rosters among the greatest rosters in the history of international basketball. He should have won. And he did win. His credit, actually, to me, is even more changing a culture so that more guys wanted to play in these games. So that you end up with rosters like the one I just described. At the end of a 10-point loss to France, as France has four current NBA players and one former NBA player in its starting five. Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart, and Harrison Barnes. Some of those guys have never, most of those guys have never been NBA All-Stars, much less first-team All-NBA, much less CP3, Kobe, LeBron, KD. I mean, come on. These are apples and oranges. Greg Popovich took our C team to China and finished out of the medals entirely. Mike Krzyzewski took our A teams and cranked out gold medal after gold medal after gold medal. You can dissect the coaching aspect of this if you want, but if you don't start with dramatically different rosters while handing out credit and blame, you're missing the point entirely. Back after this on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to good. the show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. In 35 minutes, former NC State coach and player Chuck Amato to talk Bobby Bowden and other football. Hour three will begin with David Newton of ESPN and NFL Nation on Antonio Brown, the Panthers, and all things NFL. Next. 
UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.